The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You straight up cuckooed that dude, bro. Oh my God. You've got all your Charger gear on because you're feeling fresh as hell. Well, you guys better enjoy it. It's the fans loved it. You have to love what you're seeing on tape if you're a Chargers fan, especially for the future with Justin Herbert. On the move and throws and touchdown. Players, coaches, staff, fans, together, we can create something truly special. Stay tuned for some good content. <laughs> well, hello there. Welcome back to the Charger Chat. I'm your co-host, Waldog, sitting with my buddies, Kev Hug and Duggan. Hey, friends. Let's not forget Kyle the Coach, Duggan. I like your voice, Adam. I'm just, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Two in a row with Kevin back. You good to have him back. Give me, Give me two. two. All right, folks. Well, plenty to talk about this episode. Lots going on at OTA minicamp. People getting their pictures taken with dogs. <laughs> oh, shocking. Oh, breaking shit. news. <laughs> there's that whole lawsuit, whatever business. We'll, we'll dip our toe into that nonsense. And as always, we've got a Craig experience and a bold history lined up for you, but let's start it at the top. Media day, folks. It's gorgeous when you see the footage of these guys. They're all geared up. They've got the lights going. There was that one guy who was like holding like that bar light up on Joey Bosa, like when he was getting his picture taken. They got yeah. wind blowing, hairs flow everywhere. Sparks are flying. Like. There's shit everywhere. It's yeah. literally I'm a little I was a little scared for them. They they have these giant fans behind the players. Yes. And those look pretty dangerous. And, and you know, I want to get to the season healthy. <laughs> um come on guys. We've got to be think a there's like a final that. destination event that's about to happen. Have you ever seen Alien 3? The guy gets sucked into the vent and explodes. <laughs> I don't need that for my charger, my charger players. It's scientifically proven. If it can happen in Alien Three, it, it can happen in yeah. real life. <laughs> and it, I think it's safe to say we're one and zero against the Broncos on Media Day. We didn't have any. Oh, easily. Let's ride. Oh yeah. No. Let's did you, ride. Did you no, see that Khalil Mack one? I was going to say. He was like, "Let's yeah, fucking go. Let's fucking go." Can I say that? Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right, is that right, cool? Cool. cool? Yeah. You're right, way cooler. Hey, dude. Yeah, you're, 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 I'm not going to tell you no. You're terrifying. Do whatever you want, dude. Yeah. It's all you. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome to see. Everybody's just, ah, it's just such a gorgeous set. And I mean, yeah, I think if uh, if they were like jumping through the fan, like plowing through with explosions and doves flying in the background, I would be a little concerned. But it's yeah, gonna think, be bad. 
That we're yeah, okay, John Woo would be directing okay. it, and that would be yeah. even cooler. It'd be like Mission Impossible too. But <laughs> I I dig it. This is like right up my alley. Yeah. I'm looking at these sets. I know exactly how, all the gear they're using and all the stuff. Like they're just they have professionals doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing all the other teams around the league doing stuff, and it's like, bro, somebody family members take pictures or what? Exactly. They're done with they're done with senior <laughs> pictures, right? Bring them over to the headquarters. You know, drop them in, and then like Denzel Perriman. Woo! Did you see that one? Uh, he was doing yeah. his like not as scary. Ah! Yeah, Woo! not scary. Ah! <laughs> it was <just> like. <laughs> Who was that one politician? It's going to age me, but back in the day, it was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. I remember that. Yeah. I don't exactly remember who that is. Yeah. It was like the weird yell. Like, yeah. All right. And like, I guess Denzel pulled one of those. Exciting. So cool. But they look so, these jerseys, I just want to go to this. These jerseys look so cool. They Everything about them. Derwin James looks so awesome in the number three. Yes. I'm a little annoyed because I have Derwin stuff with 33 fan. on it, but no, you're I'm not. Okay you're excited. It. It's a good excuse to buy more stuff. You're pumped. <laughs> don't, don't act like you're not excited. About if my wife either. listens to this, she needs to know I'm kind of bummed when in reality, I'm absolutely not bummed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Boy, now you get a different it. color Derwin jersey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would hate it if somebody got me a number three jersey for Christmas. <laughs> that would. Or that might, break, day. That or might break the day. bank, but you know, sometimes we got to yeah. break the bank. And then sometimes seeing the new happen. guys, the new guys too, right? Seeing Khalil yes. Mack in the full Charger get Khalil up. Khalil Mack, Zion Jackson, Johnson, Kyle yeah. Van Noy, yes. Kyle Van Noy, yeah, yeah, oh, so sweet, it's awesome. And all, and I know it's silly, but seeing them with the puppies. Pretty cute. <laughs> pretty damn awesome. I, I always love seeing it with the puppies. I'm just I love saying. Chris. Chris Rump last year was like, the, oh, the puppies! The puppies! And he, yeah. he came in and gave us a part two of that. It was pretty mm-hmm. rad. Alex Spiller, he had like the two puppies like over his shoulder, like <laughs> on his back kind of thing. It was just, yeah. it's awesome. And it's obviously for a good cause. I'm trying to get those, I'm trying to get those bad boys adopted. Yeah. Um, well, let's look at uh, outside of picture day. Um there was a bit of a bit of news that kind of dropped when there were some interviews going on. Uh, Daniel Popper tweeted out, Derwin James has not competed in any full-speed team drills this spring because he had labrum surgery after the 2021 season, Brandon Staley said. How do they get away with us not knowing about this? Like that, I did not. Did you guys know anything about this? No clue. No idea. What the fuck? What what, what's going uh, on? Now, I'm not a expert in anatomy what is labrum what is that it's your shoulder in your shoulder Ooh, yeah so when you do like that it doesn't feel good he got it's from you usually get it from you know tackling from being derwin james and lighting people up and that's probably why i didn't play that one uh texans game when Mm. we lost to the texans um Mm. but you know he's a tough guy he played through uh, he did it week three so get healthy dude come on and they're talking it's contract time they're talking about it they just you know mika fitzpatrick just signed a monster deal yeah and we all know derwin james is better than mika mika fitzpatrick so well i think that's an interesting topic of conversation too like obviously we think derwin james is worth more money based off of his production but if he continues to have injuries or surgeries like does that lower his dollar value like a labrum discount Double check kind of well, thing. Well, labrum and whatever the I, I can't even remember what the other injuries were that oh ended his the plate in his seasons. foot. He, yeah, the, his the foot. foot injuries. So I mean, yeah. like, does the lack of play equal a lower dollar amount? I mean, you could see that as a reason as to why he hasn't already gotten his extension. Maybe they're all like, Hey, you just had surgery, dude. Let's see how this thing heals up. Right. If you're looking good in training camp, mini camp, going into 
the season. Okay, let's get it done. And I think we have heard rumblings now that the negotiations have started. So yes, yeah, yeah I I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing. Like, hey, we want to make sure that you're ready to rock before you toss you a gajillion dollars. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to be the highest paid safety once he signs his contract. 100%. Yeah. yeah, I think they're they're looking to get that taken care of before the season starts. So that would be yeah. at least something to look forward to prior to the season. Um, Tyler Dragon also tweeted out, Derwin James was limited at minicamp today because he had surgery on his left labrum in February. He's expected to be a full participant during training camp. He injured his shoulder last season. So uh, we'll expect to see him but, in minicamp. You know, it also goes to show that he's not sitting out. You know, like last season, he played the whole season, he played all the way up to the last right. half of the season. Yeah. He just played through the injury. And sometimes that's what we, do. I don't know. I feel like we don't know everything going on. We didn't even know we the guy got do. surgery. No one yeah. did. You know, yeah. so do you, it, do you think this throws like some of the schemes they were running with him last year where he was like 20 yards off the ball? Do you think that might have anything to do with a, you know, injury, a shoulder injury and not putting him in the box all the time because they don't want to mess him up even more? Uh, I maybe I but he was doing that at the beginning of the season as soon as Chris Harris went down he was bumped back pretty mm. permanently so yeah. um, I don't I think if he got gotten hurt that early he probably would have had something done he, I think he probably got knocked up last couple of weeks and just like hey nothing we can do let's suck it up get to the end of the season um, but he's playing through he's playing through the hurts which is yeah. what you want to see from your stud and that was one of the concerns that a lot of fans had it's like Dude, you're always banged up. Just suck it up and get out there. Go go yeah. play football. We paid a lot of money to play and you're just sitting out all the time. So yeah. um, I think if anything, that's like, oh, it's crazy. The guy was playing through hurt. He wanted to make the playoffs. He played that that Raider game and he did sit out a couple there in the middle of the season. He, he had to tap himself out of the Kansas City game. But um, yeah, I think if anything, we know he's playing through injury. If it was enough to have surgery, the guy's tough and he's trying to, he's trying to lay, his, lay everything out there for the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully we get that deal done here pretty quickly because, yeah, I, I think getting it done the sooner the better for the Chargers, and obviously right. for him. Like now that this Minka Fitzpatrick deal is out, is going to adjust his market and going to adjust some yeah. of the uh, the conversations. So, um, we're looking over at minicamp. Uh, some of the guys were interviewed, and that includes Justin Herbert, who had this quote. I feel like I just get bored sometimes without football. I hate hanging around my house and not doing anything or accomplishing anything. That's a motivational poster if I've ever seen one, right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy's just built. He's a machine. It's like when you build a robot to do a specific task and they don't have that task, they just break down and fizzle out. That's like Justin Herbert. If he's he was built to play football, if he can't play football, he doesn't know what to do and loses his mind. What do I do with my hands? Well, it's it's that <laughs> yeah. thing. It's like if you know if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. He loves football. There's a lot of guys that are playing in the National Football League that don't love football. They love the money that comes with football. Right. This kind of stuff is that you know he doesn't work a day in his life because he likes to compete and he loves football and that's and the he gets guy bored easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he he and he he needs football. That was the other quote. He was like. I need football. Like I, I gotta have it. So yeah. I could just see him and Gabe sitting together at the house. Like I know they don't live together anymore, but just go with me. They're just sitting there <laughs> watching TV. They look at each other like, all right, and they just get up and go start throwing routes or go to the gym or something. Yeah. Like the guy's just, he doesn't have anything to do as a college football player. Every second of every day is planned out, like class and then lifting and then film and then football and then bed and then repeat. Mm. Now these guys as pros, they're just like, oh, what do I, I don't know what to do. Like, 
I'm tired of tired of golf. Don't want to go anymore. Let's just go to the facility and figure something out. See you there. <laughs> if he's gonna have a hobby, golf is much better than massage parlors. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> golf's awesome. Go. Hobby, <laughs> hobby. <laughs> massage parlor is a hobby. Wow. Yes. Uh, um. All right. Well, let's look at some quotes here from uh, some people. Brandon Staley on the start of veteran minicamp. I think that we've had an outstanding off-season program. I'm really appreciative of our attendance. It's been perfect attendance. To have the full group here today and to be able to finish our off-season the right way is important. I like the vibe out there. I like the focus, the detail. I think we're controlling the things that are within our control right now. Listening to that quote, can we all just have a, a moment of appreciation for Derwin James not holding out? You know, oh, like, yeah. this is the time of season where some guys, they're just not showing up to stuff because they want their contract done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I just want to, th- you don't normally recognize the guys that aren't doing it. You only focus on the guys that are sitting out. So just a little appreciation for Derwin for just like, hey, the contract's not done. I don't care. I want to be with the team. I want to get better. I want a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still out there grinding. So I don't know. That's just, yeah, perfect attendance is a is a, is a a fun stat to have. It's like, we don't go to prison and we show up to mini camp. That, that's what Charger football does. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I was going to say, like, how many teams have perfect attendance during veteran mini camp? Like, not many. I, I mean, there's know. always, most, yeah, most teams have a, at least a holdout somewhere. Right. I was going to say, there's always like somebody holding out for a contract to get done or something like that. But no, I mean, we got perfect attendance and you love to see it. Um, on the outside linebacker, Joey Bosa spending an extended period of time with the team during OTAs. Brandon Staley said, I think it's important that he's joining up with some new guys, both with Khalil Mack, Kyle, and then with the guys inside, Austin Johnson, Sebastian, Otito, and then Foxy. Foxy. I like that. He has a bunch of new players that he's rushing with and playing the running with. Uh, we really wanted to make sure that chemistry started to express itself in the springtime. It just says a lot about Joey that he's here and that it means a lot to him. We're a much better team having him here. That's for sure. Yeah, it's the first time. I think it was the first time that he's ever done like, you know, non-mandatory stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we talked about it before, like yeah, with exactly. him showing up, like it's it's built like in the same way that Staley just said, you know, that it's building that relationship building that camaraderie with with the teams i mean he is he's a team captain so got to go out there and be team captaining from time to time and that includes in yeah. the non-mandatory moments um, right he talked about it in the interview he's like hey i live in florida and and oh this may be something that we're getting to he's like i live in florida or across the country and i i just like a lot to disrupt my whole routine go out there for a couple of days and then come sure. back um but it says something that he he said his coach our D-line coach was kind of getting after him, like, dude, come on, you got to be here. You got to be here. Come Please on. come out here. Get out of here. Come on. Come on, bro. Get out of here. Bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Gif was giving him some. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, let's go right to it. Joey Bosa, I'm playing al- uh, alongside of uh, Khalil Mack. Uh, it's amazing just have uh, just to have another guy like that to lean on, to look at. I was just talking to, I can remember, I can't remember who uh, today about it. Just getting to know him. He's a really nice guy. I was talking to Giff about how he reminds me of me, Bane, a little bit. His temperament. He's a chill dude. He's a great, he's great to talk to. But along with that, he's obviously an unbelievable player. So having a guy like that on the other side is going to be really fun. Understatement. 
That's going to be rad. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited to watch, Joey. Again. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, and then on the physical aspects of his game that he has picked up from Mac, uh, we really rush completely different. Obviously, we have similarities in some aspects, but we rush pretty differently. So there are a lot of different ideas that we could bounce off of each other. Uh, we were just talking about it today, how we'll definitely have some film sessions where we'll break down each other's old film and kind of see if we could pick up anything and learn stuff. Along with that, having a guy uh, like that to compete with every day, I always want to be the best rusher out there and perform the best in the group. So to have that competition every single day, I think that's going to drive me to be a lot better this year. <laughs> Yeah, I and that's I mean it, it goes back to like pop one. Even today I was at jujitsu with my son. He does jujitsu and mm -hmm. like nice. even in that at that age they're 5 to 7 years old. Like they want to be the fastest one down the down like doing drills. Like they're doing bear crawl. I'm going to be the fastest. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going and then they get back they get to be the front of the line. And that still applies to 30-year-old men playing football. Like I'm going to yeah. be the best in the group. But now there's yeah. another alpha, so I got to play even better every day. Right. So it's 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 cool to see how I, I wonder, and I don't know, like I I know some football, but to, I don't know tech, specific techniques about the pass rush. Crazy to hear these guys are both elite top five pass rushers in the NFL, and he would go so far as to say that they're like completely different pass rushers. Mm -hmm. Pretty pretty pretty. I don't know. It's just like what are you talking about? You're both overwhelmingly strong. You can overpower guys. You guys are both quick. Like you have similar, there's how many moves are there in the rush game. And it, it just, it's, I think it just speaks to how complex that position is that we, as the, the Joe Schmo watching a football game, like, oh, wow, he got to the quarterback fast. Good job. You know, <laughs> you don't under like all the little details that he would say they're completely different rushers. We are, we are going to bring back a very, uh, very awesome segment. We haven't done in a while. Maybe that could be a topic for a coach's corner. Mm, yeah. I, looking at I would technique. love to learn a little bit. So yeah, I'll, Maybe I could tap into that. There you go. I'd love to see it. Um, and then they talked to Khalil Mack, and he had this to say on playing with Joey Bosa. Oh, man, it's been dope, man. Just picking his brain and getting to talk a lot of football. You can tell he has a real love for the game, and it's going to be fun playing with him for sure. I mean, the, the thing I love about Khalil is that, like, he he doesn't have a huge personality. He's a very quiet guy, like very soft spoken, and really just lets his actions speak for his words. So to see him get excited about playing with Joey Bosa, yeah. I mean, when you talk about Joey getting, you know, wanting to be better, you know, when you were talking about uh, comparing him to your kid, how many teams out there that have the type of like two players that could be playing at the same time at the highest caliber, like Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, like. Do you think that if it was just Joey Bosa, he might be like, well, clearly I'm the best for this team, so I don't really need to put in that much effort for practice or something like that. But now he's like, oh, I think shit, that's Khalil's here. Yeah, I think that's kind of what he said in his comment. You know, yeah. like he talked about how I want to be the best at every day out there in practice, and now that mm -hmm. Khalil's here, I'm going to have to get better. That's mm -hmm. pretty much what he said. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's only going to be good for Joey. Mm -hmm. I think with these guys like you, you know, you can't turn off this competitiveness. These guys, it's so a part of who they are and what they're all about. Yeah, they're they're gonna make each other more competitive, which is mm -hmm. good for not only them. It's good for our right and left tackle. 
It's good for everyone that has to deal with them being competitive with each other, which is going to force everyone, you know, to rise. So it's good. It's that's it's what coaches always say. It's like you got to get in there and create a uh, the idea of like competition every single day, and Mm -hmm. and that's that's just going to you know be infectious. Love it. And then last little quote here from Khalil Mack on what he's learned about Bosa. He's very smart. He's a smart rusher. He thinks about a lot of things. Sometimes he probably gets too far in his head because he knows so much. He has so much knowledge about the game. It's going to be fun to kind of break down film together, watch each other, and figure this thing out together. Yeah, he's basically like, maybe you seem to like turn it off a little bit, Joey, and just go with your instincts and not be stressing about it so much. Yeah. Do you think he's stressing about it, though? I mean, he's been in the league as long as he has. He's, you know, proven his talent. Do you think he gets stressed about that kind of well, stuff? He's the number one. He's been, we've relied on him to be our best rusher for since he became a Charger. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he never had anybody across from him like that. He, I'm sure he put extra pressure on himself, mm-hmm. to, Especially after he got that big contract. That's what he said. He like, I take this very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just something I, I do. This is something I want to be the best at. And like, show all the Charger fans how how important I take this, how how much it means to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, so I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it could, having that other guy over there, he just takes some pressure off himself, right? Even more so of less double teams. It, it may be more of a factor of, he doesn't have to put it all on his shoulders and try to overthink what he's doing, right? He's like, I don't have to be the only one that gets to the quarterback. I know there's another guy over there that's, that's just as equipped to do it. Just as so, capable, yeah. Yeah, and there was always a coaching term that we had for our kids that we tried to keep them from paralysis by analysis, where you just overthink and you can't go play. Because mm-hmm. these guys, at the end of the day, they've been playing football for 20 plus years, 30, some of them 30 years. Like, just go play football. Like, you know how to do it. Stop overthinking it and go play. And that's when you play the best. That's when you play instinctual. That's when big time plays it start to happen. Awesome. Paralysis by analysis. None of that going on. All right. Well, let's get uh, let's get a little dramatic, shall we? <laughs> In the courtroom, um, <laughs> uh, Dean Spanos, son of a gun, is back in the headlines uh, with his sister D, who the uh, end is silent. The end can is you silent. Guys, <laughs> when you hear D, can you think of anything? But it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, all D. I think of is D. <laughs> sweet from, D. It's always sweet. This is D. not D. sweet yeah. D. This is no, no sour or, D. Or sour or and bitter. Um, let's see. So Adam Schefter tweeted out: Chargers owner Dean Spanos is being sued by his sister D. Spanos Barbarian uh, for alleged misogynistic behavior and repeated breaches of fiduciary duty. Lawsuit was filed today in California and calls for Dean Spanos to be removed as a co-trustee. D. Spanos Barbarian claims in her lawsuit that her brothers Dean and Michael Spanos believe to their cores that regardless of what their parents intended and their wills specified, men are in charge and women should shut up. Yee. <laughs> so my here my thought. I know there's we have some more quotes from the other side of the aisle on this. It's just interesting because her first lawsuit didn't go through. So now she's got a new a, a new approach at this. Mm. Um, the the I guess the you know the first time we talked about this months ago, and whatever she brought to court, you know, wasn't accepted, and they turned you know they didn't take that case. 
Um, now she's doing it again, and now she's you know trying to spice it up a little bit. I, I just it's 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 kind of obvious what she's doing, in my opinion. Well, I mean, we don't know everything that's going on as far as behind closed doors or but or A plus B generally equals but I, C. I, I like, see what you're saying. Like you know it, I mean? it does feel like you know taking the 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 climate of of the world right now as far as like what can get you flagged and what can sure you know kind of get slid under the rug yeah when you throw out misogynistic that's definitely like a oh wait a minute now what is this like obviously both men and women should be treated equally and so to make that kind of a quote that's a pretty strong quote um better have some way to back that up if you're going to say that exactly so whatever whatever it is obviously there's got to be you would think that there would be some kind of proof we'll let the courts decide if that is the case uh, but there was also a statement from Alexis Spanos Rule, who said the statements made in today's court filing about my brother Dean Spanos are outrageously untrue. Throughout this entire ordeal that was instigated without justification by my sister D. Barbarian, my brother Dean has been unfailingly respectful of me and my wishes, and he has been fighting along with my brother Michael and me to fulfill the wishes of our mother Faye relating to our family and our businesses to characterize Dean as somehow being less than fully respectful of the women in our family is just not right. Uh, well, and maybe he's not being respectful of D. Sure. That, sounds like that she's that one single woman dick. or person he's not being respectful of because she's doesn't sound like she's well, being very respectful of anybody else. You've right. got three siblings that are absolutely on the same page and you got one over here. There's generally something to that. There's a reason mm-hmm. why it's not split. There's a reason why that there's three to three to one. Mm-hmm. So I, people getting upset, I, you know, a lot of people have, you know, talked about this and, oh, wow, breaking news. We're going to figure this out. And I'm like, no, it's pretty much the same thing. It's three versus There's just one. Been some new words thrown in And there. just some new, they rephrased it in a, in a, in a way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, it's, I don't know. It's just annoying, it, annoying news to see. Right. It because and it wasn't just D, wasn't it? Like her kids as well, or like the cousins yeah. or something like that were also involved. <laughs> it's a in, whole fa- It's a family. Family matters. Boy, money situation. In, some people just have too much money. <laughs> and yeah, families, seriously. and it's all everybody's fighting for a piece of it. It's knives out all over again. Yeah. Um. And then lastly, there was a statement issued by the families of Alexis Spanos Rule, Michael Spanos, and Dean Spanos. Our parents, Alex and Faye, wanted the Chargers to be part of the Spanos family for generations to come. For the three of us, the Chargers is one of our family's most important legacies, just as it was for our parents. Unfortunately, our sister D seems to have a different and misguided personal agenda. If D no longer wishes to be a part of this family legacy, the three of us stand ready to purchase her share of the franchise as our agreements give us the right to do. In the meanwhile, the operations of the Chargers will be entirely unaffected by this matter, which relates to only the 36% share of the team that was owned by our parents. The three of us are entitled to three-fourths of that 36% share in any event, and under no circumstances will this situation impact control of the franchise. The three of us will remain firmly united as we seek to fulfill our parents' wishes to make every decision in the best interests of the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it's a heck of an offseason to really throw this kind of a monkey wrench into it. Like, with all the moves the Chargers have been making, everything seems prime for a Super Bowl run. And then D walks in and says, hang on a second, you mother f- 
Well, it's <laughs> just dirty like, D strikes D again. I'm dirty D. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm you got your commercial D for the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I came to with a plea. I'm dirty D. And I'm here to plea. <laughs> Holy um, shit. I just, I just don't care. I just don't I know, care. Right? Yeah. I don't care about owners. I don't care about the owner of any NFL team, including no. the one that I'm a fan of. I don't care. I really mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. I'm not out there rooting on Sundays for Justin Herbert and Derwin James and Joey Bosa. I'm like, oh, I hope they do good so Dean Spanos is happy. That's mm -hmm. not going through my head. I don't even consider any owner when I'm watching a football game. No. So I, I just hate the idea of taking this and then somehow morphing it. I've seen it in the Twitterverse. It's now become a battle of factioned Charger fans again. And it's getting mm. all of this dirt just shoved back up about yeah. who a real Charger fan is and how, like what, what this means and are they selling the team? And it's just who cares? Come back to San Diego. And, yeah, They're which, never coming back to San Diego. No. Never. Just, I, I wish they would. It's just right. never going to happen. So that's okay. But if, if Dean Spanos ends up selling the team, I'm not going to be upset. That's that's what I'll say. I'll leave it at that. I'm gonna go based on all these statements. We're we're with the Spanos, the Spani first quite some time. I don't um, believe it. The, the Faye and and Alex wishes will be upheld. Yeah. Then why they moved to LA? Maybe money value monies yes. so they could sell the team and make gajillion dollars. Why we'll do you see. care about the value of the team unless you're selling it? More monies. <laughs> I, I love gold. I love you gold. just can't. <laughs> you can't trust anything that Dean Spano says. I'm sorry. No, I mean, yeah, every, those guys live in just completely different worlds. You know, yeah. they, they, they. He didn't write this. No, his publicist he, or his PR team wrote this, so yeah. it doesn't matter. These aren't his words. Yeah, and, and the issues that they deal with are none of the issues that we deal with on a regular basis. No. So whatever happens in their world will happen in their world. It honestly shouldn't affect the team in any way, shape, or form. Let the courts figure it out. Yeah. Um, and if you want to figure out what to wear tomorrow, <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to do that. <laughs> go to chargechat.com to check out all the sweet merch we've got over there. <laughs> T-shirts, hoodies, and stickers. And you can chat it up with other Charger Chatteteers in the member section and ask questions and ask all fam. So go check it out, chargerchat.com. All right, gang. Well, now it's time to go on to the next segment. It is the one, the only, the Craig Experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Come on in, man. Kick your feet up. The oh. Craig Experience. Hello there. Make yourself at home. Got some stuff to talk about, right? Moving on. No, no, no. Here's the best part. Then he says that Derek Carr is aroundabouts as talented as Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. CC gang, the biggest of salutes. And to the rest of the Bolt fam, what's going on? It's your guy Craig in Texas. And welcome to another edition of the Craig Experience. Let's ride. After another long week of pretending to be uh, an assistant coach to Brandon Staley and offering up my opinions on uh, the Chargers roster going into this year, just sitting around with pencil, 
drawing up a little mock depth chart there and a name popped up to me. One that I feel like is being pushed off to the wayside a bit. Sort of kind of easy to do though. Just looking at all the charges off season moves and uh, the fact that he was fourth round guy just last season out of that football powerhouse Duke University. Six foot three, mid 230s, so sort of a gangly dude. <sighs> More the size of an off ball linebacker as opposed to an edge. Yep. Chris Rumpf the second. And yo, I really, really like Chris. Now, outside of just the fun loving attitude, the fact that the dude's got a super bright personality, really endearing, got the whole sideshow bob hair thing going on, looks a little bit like him, except way, way, way less psychotic. Uh he's got some stuff to him, man. High effort dude. You could see that in at Duke. I mean, and doing a little bit more background on him. Fun fact, Chris didn't actually start playing organized ball until his sophomore year of high school, which is kind of weird when you look at the fact that his dad is a professional football coach. He was uh, an assistant. Sorry, he was a D-line coach with the Bears recently, but he's now with the Minnesota Vikings in the same capacity, I believe. So Chris didn't jump off the porch in ball in a serious way until later in high school midway through so it was you know a bit of a late bloomer but having a dad as a professional coach kind of gave him a leg up probably enabled him with the ability to kind of play catch up really quickly now as far as what he's projected to be we do know said that uh pun intended he actually was a project when the Chargers drafted him, you knew drafting a guy at that size to play that position meant that he was not going to come in and immediately be a contributor as an edge dude just because he wouldn't have the size to hold up against the run. He wasn't going to be setting a solid edge. He could only be a situational pass rush guy at best. So once he got into a professional football training program, strength and conditioning he put on the mass necessary and then as the years went by probably by year three you might have something now he still doesn't have to be rushed because you got khalil mack in front of him still joey bosa and a kyle van Noy. so he can grow and develop um as far as what he presents and what he offers on the football field from an athletic standpoint he's not a super twitchy dude um not like strong like bull uh, but he is very crafty and slippery um, and the name of his game is going to be effort his feet don't stop and you saw him in flashes last year because he played a little bit more than what he probably should have because there were some injuries and then we know COVID was a thing you know, in full force in the NFL last year still so uh, teams were ravaged by that charges were no exception at points and you saw it but where he was a real contributor was on special teams. Now, it started off a little rocky, but he got better as the season went on. As it progressed, he performed much better. Uh, but again, you saw him flash in limited snaps. So it was something to be really, really encouraged about. And as time goes on, he's got some of the best in the business to learn from. Uh, again, he's going to improve in regards to technique. You've got probably the best technician at the edge position in Joey Bosa. You got a speed and force dude in Khalil Mack. So, and then you got an instinctual guy in Kyle Van Noy. So, I mean, instincts can't really be taught, but Chris, he's got some instincts to him. Um, this probably goes alongside with, like I said, mentioning his craftiness. 
but he's got every intangible and then for the tangible things you've got some of the best in the biz to do it playing right alongside you so he's going to improve we don't know what's going to happen after this season with kyle van noy hell kyle plays amazingly and he wants to stick around maybe they give him another one-year deal if not chris is waiting in the wings uh he may not be as versatile as van noy is but we honestly don't know uh, could they move him around a little bit the way that Van Noy could be moved around or the way Van Noy will be moved around? Possibly. We have a season to find out, but it's something I'm looking forward to. So I'm perfectly fine with where he is. Uh, and I think that come camp, you'll see him make some noise. He's put on a solid 10 to 12 pounds of muscle, which is what the charges asked for him to do. Um, as far as his frame is concerned. I don't think Chris will ever be like a huge stocky dude. Um, he's got the frame to put on a little bit more, but it just kind of seems like he's probably going to max out as like a 250 dude, but his 250 isn't going to look, look like other guys. It's 250. He just wears it differently, but he doesn't have to, man. He's just got to be a performer at what he does. And this season, he's going to get some run. Uh, as far as defensive snaps are concerned, I'm sure he'll get his fair share, but he'll probably still be shining on special teams. And the more the merrier there. I think the Chargers special teams are going to be all the better for it, along with some of the other additions. But that's a name to be looking out for this season. Mr. Rumpf, I haven't forgotten about you, sir. And I'm sure you're going to go out on the field this season and make everybody else remember as well. But just know your boys here. You've got my support if nobody else. All righty then, Kev, Kyle, Dub D, give me your input on what you believe Chris Rump's contribution is going to be next season on uh, the defensive side of the ball, not just on special teams. Of course, he's going to have limited snaps because, of course, look who he's playing behind. But do you think he makes a significant impact on that side of the ball? Uh, and yo, both fam, hop in the comments. Let me know what you guys think as well. But it's been real and until next time y'all know who it is mr boat gang or do not bang aka top underscore flyt3 over on twitter and catch me on youtube at the flight deck charge it to the game so until the next one y'all take it easy be good stay bolted up and k love you bye well, thank you, Craig, for taking a look at Chris Rumpf. Yes, there's a lot of guys on this team that kind of get a little lost in the shuffle unless it's puppy day, right? Like you don't yeah. really remember <laughs> sometimes some of these guys are hanging and waiting in the wings because we we see the big studs that we're picking up in the offseason. But it's a good reminder that, yeah, man, we got Chris Rumpf. And I don't know. I think he was a pretty good contributor last season. I mean, he wasn't obviously the number one tackler, but like he came in and made some plays here and there. So. Um, I'm excited to see it. He's going to be a great change of pace guy. Like he, these guys are going to stay rested because we have mm -hmm. we haven't had depth like this in a while. And he did he did pretty well for his first year. And you know we interviewed him you know a few months ago, and he just said that you know he's he's only getting better, he's only getting stronger, he's only getting bigger. So mm -hmm. you know those are all things that you know were kind of things that he was dealing with last year. Maybe getting kind of controlled by some you know some offensive linemen more than he probably should, but. I'm excited for him. He's fast. He's quick. He's instinctual. You know, like you said, he he played started playing football sophomore year of high school. It's pretty crazy. Like that's mm -hmm. pretty crazy. Um, and you know, being he, he's played less than ten years of of football. So 
Um, he's just going to get better, and we're going to have a great pass rush with him as a you know so a relief guy to get in there and get after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to have. I, I love Chris Rumpf. I love the energy that awesome. he brings, the the locker room like part that he that that piece that he adds, kind of like a Braden Fajoko of that edge rusher room, right? Mm-hmm. You have very serious, solemn guys like Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa. <laughs> you got to have somebody that brings some life and energy. And I think Chris Rump is is able to do that along, along with um, Sebastian Joseph Day on that D-line too. Like there's some guys that uh, bring a little bit of mood, which I think for the longevity of an 18-week season, you got to have some fun. You have yeah. to, or you get bored and you get over it. So sure. that aspect I think is huge with Chris Rump. I think he's he's like like Craig said he's a developmental player and he still is that this year. I don't see an extended role. I think he's gonna have pretty much the same exact role that he had last year, being a special teams guy and a spot guy as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good that you need that depth in case somebody goes down and gets hurt for a couple of games. I I wouldn't see Chris Rump out there and be like, oh God we're screwed. You know, like, I think he could go out there and hold his own. (laughs) He's one of those guys that I'm really excited to see as the years go. Cause also like Craig said, like Calvin always a one-year guy. He's not going to be here long-term. He's he's Mm -hmm. at that time of his career. He's going to sign one-year deals wherever he goes. And so I think that having that year, that's, that's that bridge gap for Chris Rupp to step up and be the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of young guys, Nick Neiman. I'm super, I'm still excited about that guy. I think he's going to be, a maniac on the special teams and have sure. an opportunity to work his way into that linebacker group, especially with, depending on what happens with Kenneth Murray, um, seeing if Kyle Vinoy is up there. There's a lot of young guys that I think there's, they got a lot to prove still. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, yeah, it's exciting. The The amount of depth that we have at just about every position is, is really exciting and, and talented depth. I mean, seeing these guys that we had last year that contributed and now in their second year and putting on muscle now, like being yeah. able to have a whole off season to really work out and really build their, their form. Like, yeah, you're not just I think getting ready for the combine. You're actually, yeah, exactly. Well, you know what you're doing. You know what yeah. you're going for. This ain't no underwear Olympics, my friend. This That's is right. the big deal. So, uh, yeah. Craig, thank you so much for taking a look over at Chris Rump. Thanks brother. Um, let's move it on now to bolt history. What historical, person place or thing are we going to look at i don't know let's find out schmon schmix mixing (laughs) something rhymes with kicks yeah (laughs) that's it remember like it was yesterday in comes this whirlwind don coriel so see the san diego chargers and see spectacular professional football at its best into the end zone charger fans are witnesses to What's up, Bolt Gang? Welcome back to another installment of Bolt History. I'm your Charger Chat historian, Mike Maudlin, and today we're going to be talking about another player, another player spotlight, but this one has a really cool story that goes along with it. It's really a, more around the story than it is about the player, um, but the player was pretty amazing as well. I'm um, talking about Ron Mix. <clears throat> now, Ron Mix was a guard and tackle, primarily a right tackle for the Chargers from 1960 to 1969. Um, Played with the Los Angeles and San Diego Chargers, uh, but he also played with the Raiders in 1971. Um, but he attended USC, University of Southern California, on a football scholarship. And in 1959, he was a first-team All-American, Associated Press first-team All-Pacific Coast, uh, first-team All-Big Five, and won the USC Lineman Award. He was born in Los Angeles, so he's a homie, and he grew up in LA's Boyle Heights neighborhood. 
Uh, he is also Jewish. Uh, he's still with us. He's 84 years old now. Uh, he possessed incredible, incredible strength and power, agility and balance uh, that made him one of the most intimidating players and menacing players in the AFL during that era. Uh, he was listed or is listed, should say, at 6'5", 270 pounds. Uh, and he was an early proponent of weightlifting. Not a lot of players were doing weightlifting back then. He was one of the guys who kind of started that in, in the AFL and in football in general. Uh he was, like I said, a proponent of weightlifting, and uh, that helped him enhance his raw athletic power. He was years ahead of the curve on that, uh, and soon after that, you started seeing linemen and other football players taking up that practice to become better athletes. His nickname is absolutely great, one of the best nicknames in sports history. He was called the Intellectual Assassin because he was very smart. He's a lawyer, um, but he was also, as I said, he was a, he was a beast on the football field. So his nickname, as I said, was the intellectual assassin. And he was an integral part of the Chargers that played in five AFL League championships and won, obviously, the 1963 AFL championship. He went to the University of Southern California, as I said, uh, but he also went to the University of San Diego while he played uh, in the offseason and earned his, earned his Juris Doctorate uh, degree in 1971. As I said, he was an original Los Angeles Charger in 1960. Although he was the number 10 selection, the 10th overall selection in the NFL draft, the Colts drafted him in the first round of the NFL draft. And he was also drafted by the AFL's Boston Patriots in the first round. But he spurned both of those teams to sign a lucrative contract with the Chargers uh, because he thought that he wasn't going to be remaining in the league for very long because he, he was going to proceed with his career as a lawyer. So he didn't think he was going to be playing very long, but he ended up playing 11 seasons. Here's one of the craziest stats that I found when researching this story. He played 11 seasons. He was only flagged for holding two times in 11 years. Twice holding calls. That's it. Unbelievable. Um, what he said was about that draft process, he said it was unlike it is today. Um, back then, there was really hardly any publicity about the draft leading up to it. Uh, like very little. He had zero contact with the Colts prior to them drafting him. The, the way he found out he was drafted by the Colts was in the newspaper the next day. Uh, he didn't even talk to them. Uh, but back then with the newly formed American Football League, um, it was Boston that drafted him. And he told Boston that if I had to go back east, uh, I was definitely going to sign with the Colts instead. The teams were cooperating with each other in the AFL. Uh, they were more interested in getting the best players that existed from college Um with any team. It didn't matter which team. The AFL was cooperating with each other to just try to get the best league possible. Uh, so they were actually cooperating with each other and they wanted to field good teams. So the the Patriots traded him to the Chargers. Uh, and that's, that's who he ended up signing with. But the Colts had offered him a one-year non-guaranteed contract worth about $7,500 with a $1,000 signing bonus. And the Chargers had offered him a two-year deal with $12,000 annually and a $5,000 signing bonus. So he told the Colts owner at the time, who was Carol Rosenblum, uh, I'd rather play for the Colts, but uh, the Chargers are offering me this. Um, I said, if you give me a one-year contract with worth $10,000 and a $2,000 signing bonus, then I'll sign with the Colts. Uh, but he, the owner, Carol Rosenblum, told Ron, he said, man, that's that's about the same money that we're paying our quarterback, Johnny Unitas. Uh, I don't think we can pay you that much, and it would throw off our whole salary scheme. 
Um, and Ron was like, well, you're at, uh, thanks for telling me the truth. Um, and they just couldn't make it happen. But the funny thing after the fact was that Carol Rosenblum ended up later finding out that Ron was also Jewish. Carol Rosenblum was also Jewish. Uh, and he would have would have made the concession to sign him and give him the money uh, had he known that he was Jewish. But uh, Rosenblum also told Ron that he didn't think the AFL was going to last. So he said uh, uh, he would see uh, he would see Ron next year uh, because he thought the AFL was going to fold after one year. So he was just going to bide his time and wait for Ron to be available again. But he signed with the Chargers and the, the rest was history. And it was life-changing for him because Ron was from Los Angeles, so he was getting to go back home and play for his hometown team, which was cool. Uh, it was an added sweetener for him in the deal with the Chargers. Uh, and it was true for him because he, or it was really a blessing for him because he hadn't graduated. He was drafted before he got before he got to graduate. He still needed another another semester, so it was, uh, it was very attractive for him to play for the Chargers. What was really special about it, and it was kind of lost in history, is that... Uh, the, that the NFL as a group kind of had the same attitude as Carol Rosenblum, that the AFL was going to fail. It wasn't a matter. It was just a matter of time. Uh, so they didn't compete for players. The AFL, uh, Ron said, over the first four years, over the first four years, probably signed about 80 percent of the top college players and were distributing them among eight teams, whereas the NFL, uh, they had 10 teams and they were distributing among those 10 teams. But they uh, the AFL had all the best young talent there was. He was a factor in the Chargers' early domination of the AFL was AFL's Western Division, and in San Diego, helped them to win an American Football League championship in 1963, as we mentioned. And they defeated the base, the Boston Patriots, which was kind of a sweet comeuppance for him, seeing as how he was drafted by them. But they beat them 51 to 10 in that 63 AFL AFL championship game. Uh, he was the first Charger to have his number retired, number 74. Uh, in 1969, after he announced that he was retiring, he was quitting football uh, because he had played his last season, uh, but he was injured during that season. Uh, he ended up earning his degree from the University of San Diego School of Law in 1970. He told the Chargers he wanted to play again after he retired, but they had already found a replacement in Gene Ferguson. Uh, so after that, uh, he wanted to get traded to the New York Jets once he found out they didn't have a spot, a roster spot for him. Um, but they ended up trading him to the Stinkin' Raiders for two high round draft or two high draft picks in 1970 and 1971. The deal was contingent upon him unretiring and agreeing to play for Oakland, which he did. Uh, once he did that, owner Gene Klein, who hated the Raiders, and we touched on this on a prior Bolt history, uh, Gene Klein hated the Raiders so much that he unretired number 74. So it's still available, even though it was retired at one point. He was unanimously voted to the all-time AFL team by the Pro Football Hall of Fame and named to the Chargers Hall of Fame in 1978. He was voted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1979. He was also elected a member of the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in 1980, inducted into the Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in 1990, inducted into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in uh, 2008, and inducted into the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in Nor of Northern California in 2010. He was the second player from the AFL to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Lance Allworth was the first in 1978. Ron was named to nine consecutive AFL All-Pro first teams and made eight consecutive AFL All-Star appearances. After football, he practiced law in San Diego with a practice focused on re representing retired professional football players or professional athletes, I should say, not just football players. 
uh, for in work in claims for workers' compensation benefits. And prior to that, he was a civil litigator. Um, but here's the cool cool story that I was alluding to earlier. Uh, aside from all the accolades that he he built up over his time in football, uh, he was also a social justice warrior before that was even a thing. Um, the Civil Rights Act was just being passed in 1964. And in 1965, he was a member of an all-star team that was going to go play into late stadium in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans at the time was trying to get an NFL team, which they eventually would the next year with the Saints. Um, but they weren't, the Saints weren't around then uh, in 1965. Um, New Orleans was trying to reach out to these guys and tell the, the players who the, the black players on the team were skeptical about going to play in Tulane Stadium in New Orleans because they, they felt there was a lot of racism still going on in the South. There was still segregation happening. There were still whites only drinking fountains and things like that happening. Um, so a lot of the black players, players were really skeptical, skeptical about going, but the local politicians in New Orleans were trying to assure them, look, come on down. Everything's going to be fine. You can bring your families. That's how safe we feel feel that you'll be. Um, but that wasn't the truth. They were denied entries to bars and restaurants, sometimes being forced out at gunpoint. Um, they couldn't get cabs and things like that. Uh, the players were given itineraries at the hotel that they were at, uh, and they were told to get on the team bus in the morning. But after that night out prior, the, the night before, um, a lot of the players were not going to play. Um, they didn't want to be there anymore. They just wanted to leave. Um, so. They were doing a roll call on the bus and they noticed a lot of the players were missing um, and they all happened to be black players. So uh, Ron Mix got off the bus to go find out what was going on. He went into the hotel and they found he found all these guys, 21 players uh, in a meeting uh, about wanting to leave and not wanting to play in the game. Their plan was to boycott the game um, because of how they'd been tr treated. Um, so. Being the lawyer that he was, Ron tried to talk them into staying and just say, hey, let's call some national media attention to this. Let's get this word out that, about how you guys are being treating, but, treated. But the uh, the 21 players in this meeting were not having it. They were just wanting to leave and and decided that they were not going to play because of how they've been treated. Um, they wouldn't play in a place that was just denying them even just the most basic human rights. Um, so he said it. He said uh he made it clear that if the black players weren't going to play, then neither was he. Um, that also caused all the other white players to join in the boycott. Uh, he was the first player to step forward and join them in that civil rights boycott, which put pressure on the AFL to move the all-star game. And they ended up getting it moved to Houston. This whole event caused New Orleans to immediately desegregate. Um, so this particular boycott affected the entire city of New Orleans and caused it to desegregate, which is freaking amazing. Um, but to wrap it up, what, during his career, uh, he also was, he minored in English and he wrote for Sports Illustrated. He wrote articles for Sports Illustrated while he was still playing. Uh, he was also the general manager of the World Football League. There was a World Football League in 1974 and part season in 1975. It didn't last long, one and a half seasons, but uh, he was the general manager of the Portland Storm in the World Football League back then. Uh, and he currently serves as the president of the Pro Football Retired Players Association's Board of Directors, which is pretty cool. So he's still active in around football. Now that's the story about Ron Mix. I hope you really enjoyed it. And remember to stay bolted. Gay, love you, bye. All right. Well, there you go, folks. A little something about Ron Mix. That was how awesome. about a Hall of Fame? How about a Hall of Fame tackle for 10 grand? Hell, oh I'll pay God. for it. The oh. money 
I can do that right now. I'd be happy yeah, I'll, to donate I'll that it. right now. Let's if go. If we can you get a I... Hall of Famer for right tackle for us right now, I'll pay the 10 grand. I'm good for 5K. We'll s- easy. We'll set up a, fo- yeah, a GoFundMe we'll, for sure. Yeah, yeah, easy. Get that done I know a GoFundMe like can make that happen fast. Yeah. <laughs> that is so wild that like, you got one team that was like, what was it? One year, 7,500. And, and it was a two year. No, yeah, it was 12. a not a guaranteed year either. $7,500 no. with a $1,000 <laughs> signing bonus. You're that's crazy. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Well, there you go, Mike. Thank you for taking a look at the very rich history of Ron Mix, man. What a what a great story and and still doing doing stuff, man, helping out players and and being a part of everything, writing articles for Sports Illustrated. I mean, come on, yeah. like that is that is pretty sweet. So I also appreciate the hate for Raider fans has been so such a history the history is so rich and <laughs> and, and and taking <laughs> on a retiring his number is just oh yeah uh, you know there's been a lot of charger fans that feel the exact same way do uh, exact same way we do about them so good. yeah good that's, that's pretty good. low yeah feel good about it yeah um all right well i think that's gonna do it for this episode of charger chat any final thoughts there gentlemen what an episode. I enjoyed it. Thank no. you for having me. What an fun. episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here at Charger Chat, folks. Don't forget to bolt up because we're ready for any squad, any place. Okay, love you, boy. Okay, love you, boy. Okay, love you, boy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately! Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.